0: The couple that solves murders together stays together. That's coming up next right here on The Right Stuff. Hi, and welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the queen, Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking to my returning guest co-host and contributor today, Mary Finley. She is the author of her new release called Maps Out Murders, and this book one of the Crime and Persecution series. I cannot wait to tell you all about it in just a few moments. As always, I want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for 10 years, and as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, simply go to pjcmedia.net, click on that pink follow button, and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. Subscribe to our new YouTube channel at PJC Media and click that notification bell so you won't miss an episode. Lastly, I want to thank you all for your support of my newest release called A Chance for Xin. I'm really excited to get your feedback on that, so go ahead and pick up your copy today. And so without further ado, I'm going to bring my guest on board today. Mary, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Parker. How are you?
0: I'm rather peachy, and thank you so much for
1: coming back onto the show. My pleasure.
0: You know, it's been a minute since the last time you were
1: on, so go ahead and tell us what you've been doing since then. Well, that's hard to say, but doing, doing trying to do a lot of different things. We're making different versions of our books these days, Like trying to create videos and comic strips and even maybe games of kind of, that are versions of our books that maybe people will be more interested in, in case they're not readers. They can still enjoy what we've written. I remember at one point you were working
0: on a live book or an animated book, something like that?
1: Yes. My husband wrote a short story called Sojourner, which is a science fiction story that only involves a couple of characters. So we've been trying to lay that out in video format, like with the lines from the book and the uh, pictures of the characters. It sort of resembles a video game with the words spoken down there, and they show the picture of the character on the screen. And then there's background images of things that are happening on the ship and out in space. So what made you
0: decide to do this particular route when it came to your books?
1: Well, there are a lot of people who say they don't have time to read or aren't that interested in reading, so we're trying to produce maybe shortened versions of our books that are uh, multimedia that they could actually sit and listen to it, or they could watch it. Either way, you know, kind of like you sit and watch a YouTube video or listen to the music on YouTube while you're doing something else. It might give them options to be able to still get the message but be able to get on with their busy lives you also provide services and one of the services that you do provide is cover design services yes i do i do non-fiction i've done a lot of non-fiction and some fantasy science fiction types of covers recently and i've got one person who said she's got a series that could go more than 20 books and we're very excited to work together on that <laughs>
0: I would be too, most deaf.
1: I would definitely be
0: excited to work on something like that. Now, I've got to ask you one of the more controversial questions, and it's, it's this whole rigmarole about AI. And, you know, I am very ambivalent when it comes to AI. I go back and forth with, oh, I love this today or I hate you today. So how do you think AI is going to affect you
1: as a cover design artist? Well, I love the artwork. Some of the people have posted things that they've made in AI, and it looks fantastic. It's better than anything I could ever do. I guess the real question is the copyright issues, and those are going and making their way through the courts right now. So we'll just have to see how that plays out. Do you think that AI is a tool, or is it going to take over what you do for offers? I bet you it is going to tend to take over, especially in the artwork, because that's just something someone can put out. There's already a guy who says he's making books, writing them through AI, doing the covers through AI, doing his promotional materials with AI. I mean, how can you beat that? He's putting out a book a week or something like that. But do you think it'll make us obsolete, you think? No. I think people are always going to go for the real thing. Yeah. (laughs) At the end of the day, we do want the authentic. And only human beings can really
0: do that because the only thing about AI, it needs to be updated constantly. And even though AI may get better, it's not inspired. It's only uploaded and licensed and updated. So I think we're going to be safe, but I just wanted to get your thoughts because you're both a writer and a cover design artist and you understand both sides of the issue, I think, because it's not like you said, I hate AI and burn all computers. It's not like you said that, you know, you just let us know, Hey, we got to just be sure that this is a new reality that's entered in. It's going to be here for some time keep moving, basically. So I like that rather Optimistic, balance balanced view of, of all the things. So now we're talking about some of your books here. Now, before we get into Masked Out Murders, which is book one of the Crime and Persecution series, I want to talk about the shift you've made in your writing. Because a lot of times you've written steampunk or you've written a couple of historicals, stuff like that. Now you're shifting over to contemporary. What was that thing that made you decide to do that?
1: Well, I just got, I got inspired to try to deal with some current events that are going around, like the interference of the government in public schools and the media, all the stuff that they're going crazy about and things that people are, how they're changing the morality of the culture. And I really wanted to address those. And there's no way you can do that in the past. You have to do it in the present. So in Mapped Out Murders, we have this couple and it's Sarah and her, her
0: husband. And Sarah's a homicide detective. And in a lot of these murder mystery stories, especially the ones that are more feminist centered, they make the woman really masculine because she's a homicide detective. And I guess there is a certain detachment that you have to have if that is your job. But you don't do that with Sarah. You actually make her very relatable. And how did you sketch her character together? So when the author starts to read about mapped out murders, they really start to get close to her because she's not just a homicide detective. She's also a
1: pastor's wife. Yeah, I came up with Sarah. The story inspired me to write about Mapped Out Murders was we were at a Voice of the Martyrs conference, my daughter and I, and we heard about, there was a pianist there who was a very wonderful performer, but he said that his father had been killed in Iran, and his father, along with a number of other pastors, and they'd found these men, each one of them dead, and in their pocket was a piece of paper with an address that told where the other dead body was. So they were just going through the city, finding dead pastors with this note in their pockets. And I said, oh, my goodness, that's a story. <laughs> so that's what inspired me to write it. And Sarah is a an LAP detective who has some quirks, like she won't work with a male partner, and that's gotten her a lot of grief in the department, but she's very good at what she does. So that if they want her, they have to put up with her quirks. And in this story, her partner, who is a woman who is is sick with the flu, so she has to have somebody else work with her. So it ends up being her husband, who happens to be a Middle Eastern language expert. And he's, the case is about Middle Eastern people who are being murdered.
0: And so with this story, you are bringing in a couple of things going on. You bring in current events and you also bring in that mystery. Now, I got to ask you, just as a mystery, and it's not quite a mystery. I don't want to call it some mystery mystery but it has that mystery element in there did you have to plot it out did you just go by the
1: flow see the your pants how'd you do all that i always go by the flow you know i have to go along the way i have to stop and do some research like where are the places where the persecution is taking place where would the main suspect have come from how would they manage to identify him because you know it's one thing to be able to say some guy in the middle east came over here and started killing people but why, you know, what's his motivation? Where did he come from? What about him might make him identifiable when his whole job is to be invisible, you know, like a serial killer doesn't really want to be caught. But although there was a lot of research into Middle East and Far East Muslim culture and how they might come together and actually, you know, decide to come to the United States and start killing people. And so for those who I know are going to be like, are you trying to say all Muslims
0: are this or all Middle Eastern people are that? And just go ahead, do the disclaimer. I know we usually don't have to do this, but just in case, go ahead and let us know what's going on with that.
1: People are people. They're good people. They're sinful people all around the world. It doesn't really. It's not so important what you believe, what religion you follow. It's just the presence or absence of God's truth in your life. And that's what we're dealing with. We're not dealing with people who are, they might say they're this way because they're Muslims, but what they really mean in their hearts is they're evil. And it's not about their religion. It's so much as it is about their mindset. They don't want anybody else to interfere with what they want to do. So that's the basis of persecuting people.
0: And then when you were doing your research, did you have, I know you have to add like the religious background and the thought processes and the philosophies that are behind that. And because you have to make this you know, realistic, like why would someone come over here and just start killing people? Why would that happen? Or vice versa, why would we who live here go somewhere else and just start offing people? You know. So we kind of got to figure that out. So when your research is doing this, did you get practical advice from people? Did you just do it all online? Did you talk to anybody? How'd you go about that? Because in today's world, everyone's really big about sensitivity readers. They're really big about, well, you can't write this because you're not this particular ex. So how did you go about doing your research to give that authentic
1: feel? I did my research online. I didn't actually talk to people, but I listened to a lot of people like the, at the Voice of the Martyrs conference, I listened to the people and their perspective on their relationships with people who are, you know, not of the same religion, not of the same mindset, how they deal with them, how they express love to them rather than hatred. You know, there are a lot of people who pray for their persecutors. They're not concerned, you know, okay, I'm willing to die. That's what they say. I just want Christ to be made known. And I want these people who are against that to be stopped, you know, not die. I want them to be converted to Christ. That's the real overwhelming thing was I wanted to present people who love other people for what they are, for what they need in Christ, not because, you know, oh, these people are trying to kill me. They don't have bitterness. They don't have hatred. They just want Christ to be made known, no matter what the cost.
0: Now, in the book, and I kind of appreciate this, and you alluded to it earlier, you said that Sarah only works with women. And I could just see people saying, what, she can't work with a man? A man is just as good as this. But there's a reason for that. And you find out a little bit in the book. But how is it that you, I know her husband knows Middle Eastern languages, you know, which is, you know, helpful, Okay. But uh, it kind of adds to that story because you have this husband and wife team working together. Is there anything about that working together that's symbolic for our readers to pick up on?
1: The reason I decided to do that in this story was because it it was in the news at that time that Mike Pence had said he would not work with, he would not be alone with women. He would not ride in a car with them unless they're his wife or relative. So that's why I wanted to include that, and I wanted to show on a day-to-day basis you know, how that to some extent limited her ability to do her job and other people let it limit. It's more like, you know, she wasn't limited because she refused to work with men. Other people were limited because they didn't let her work within her strengths. Sometimes you look at things backwards, it looks like, oh, what you're excluding. No, I'm including all of this. And we, you know, we have a tendency as human beings to look at it backwards. The way we should be looking at it is these are my strengths. Let me work with my strengths. And we're willing to do that as long as their strengths are what we want them to be, like being homosexual or being whatever, you know, it's popular in the culture, rather than let me work with my strengths that I have, not that you want to impose on me.
0: I think that's a good way of looking at it Mary I'm so glad you brought that out so I want to let listeners know a little bit about mapped out murders you kind of gave us a hint of what the story is about but go ahead share the whole
1: thing with us well Sarah Groban's an LAPD detective and she is called to a case where a man is killed like very early in the morning a very well-dressed but obviously middle eastern man and the question is who is he and why was he killed he's like stabbed a whole bunch of times and like what in the world happened and what does she find but her husband comes walking down the street it's just barely daylight and he says oh no this was one of my best friends and she's like what in the world is going on here what connection does my husband have to this dead man and she finds out about this secret organization and they have to keep it secret even in the so-called free united states Because they're leaving their Muslim home countries, coming to the United States and trying to worship Christ and working on, you know, witnessing to others. And this is the kind of thing that can still get in trouble here in the United States. I have a a quote that I don't want to give you the extended quote, but it's one of the video promos that I made for this, where nobody hates Christians as much as Americans nowadays. It's just the most vilified religion in the world. You're allowed to be anything else besides Christians. And that was, you know, my guiding thought in this thing. So she has to figure out, she has this part, of, and some of these people are Christians who converted from Islam. Some of them are, one of them's just like a business investment guy. One of them's a member of an organization that's supposed to be Muslims trying to have better relationships with Christians in America. And she's just bewildered. Why, how are all these people connected? How did all these, you know, murders happen? Is there a common denominator? And that's where she really comes to the point where she discovers that there's such a thing as a persecutor for hire. There's a person who gets paid to kill people who don't agree with him. And one thing about this particular story, like I said, it's not just the murder mystery. It's also
0: about persecution, but it's also about spiritual warfare. And that becomes a linchpin in the story as well. And so with this couple, you have them reaching out to the different people that they interact with as they try to solve these murders. And there is a very in-your-face Christian message about this. And like one reviewer said, it's almost like a missionary novel. Like it reminds you of missionaries. In all your books, you always try to bring that back to the forefront. This really exciting element to your story that kind of adds more depth to Mapped Out Murder. So it's not just about the murder mystery, about just solving the case. It's about transformation of people's
1: lives. Well, in the next book, which I started working on, but I just keep sputtering. You know, it's kind of that period in my life where everything sputters. But uh, she will be back together with her own partner, who is a very kind of flamboyant Hispanic, what they call a black Tino. <laughs> and she doesn't mind being called that. But they are trying to investigate a church that was actually right down the road from where Sarah's a part, Sarah and her husband live. There was a fire that they've quickly figure out his arson and there's actually a person who was killed in the fire who was they actually had like six different churches meeting in that old building and the person who set the fire wanted to steal an item of worship from this one church but there are other churches which are you know terrified because they're all at-risk believers from countries where their beliefs are not welcome and they're not all muslims you know so there's a group from South Korea, there's a group from the Coptic church in Egypt, there's other people who are just, you know, they can't even figure out who would want to attack all of these churches, who would want to destroy the ministries of all these churches at once. So that's really the big thing, and the people are terrified. They try to, they find a a person who might be able to give them information, and the person just runs from them in terror. He's a member of the church, but he can hardly speak English, and They don't know how to communicate with him, and then the FBI gets involved, and they don't get along too well with them. So it's a lot about the conflicts that human beings have with each other, not just over religion but over life choices and cultural things and how you've got to learn how to get along with people who are not like you. I think sometimes that's the hardest thing is getting
0: along with people
1: because you want people to
0: be in your circle, to encourage you, to build you up. But sometimes you just meet people you just don't agree
1: with. Do you have a tentative title for it? Uh, Right now it's called No Name Church because there are actually six different churches that we're meeting in the same building. So it's kind of like a lot of different people. It's like Christians who are not like us. The Coptics have a special secret tattoo that they wear so that people know if someone tries to invade their meetings that are supposed to be secret, then they'll know that person isn't one of them because he doesn't have the tattoo. And it's also about how your Christianity can backfire on you. I found a story that actually took place in colonial America. And that kind of formed the basis of the antagonist in the story because this person was taken in and cared for and had severe losses a couple of different times in their lives. and was always, you know, made welcome and became part of new families, but somehow that had an embittering effect on that person and turned them against believers. And that person became an enemy, not because of the bad treatment, but because she couldn't understand the good treatment. I can see how that can actually be backwards because
0: why aren't you treating me like crud? when you should. And that has a lot to do with the person's internal view about themselves. And so it sounds like it's something very exciting. How many books do you have planned for the series? That's, so far it's just those two. I haven't really thought beyond that. Okay. (laughs) He said, we don't know if we're going to make it like uh, Murder She Wrote where you got 3,000 books, (laughs) 3,000 books in there. But I wish, right, you know, but hey, you got other projects that you're working on as well. So Mary, I just want to thank you so very much for being with me on the show today. If people want to connect with you, where can they find you online?
1: Our website is FindlayFamilyVideoPublications.com. I know that's a mouthful, but if you can find us there, we have a blog with lots of articles about different topics that are important to believers and sometimes just ordinary everyday topics like things that we learned while we were riding around in a semi and things about the economy and then things about homeschool education and we have a ton of books and they're all listed there too. In the few moments we have left, you know I always
0: want to encourage our aspiring authors whom God has given the gift to write to pick up a
1: pen to do so. So go ahead and encourage them out there today. Just keep trying. It can be very discouraging. It can be a lot of trouble and you can feel like you're stuck and never going to get going again. But try different things. If you can't write a whole book, write flash fiction. I know a lot of other authors I know are concentrating on putting out short fiction and contributing to Online publications and maybe you don't even get paid for it as such, but you get some recognition and you get known and you be there in the groups online and help other authors. If you're stuck, try to help somebody else who's also stuck, but you know what can get them unstuck. It can be kind of an encouragement to you to see, okay, now I'm writing again and well, maybe I'll get writing again. And just try to think unselfishly. Sometimes I think, oh, my life is miserable and I can't do anything. But my life is actually really good. Sometimes I think maybe that's why I can't write because my life is too good and I need some hardship to make me have things to write about. But right now, you know, I'm trying to be a help to other authors. And I think that's a big part of being in these groups online. That's how I learned to be an author and to publish and so on by other people helping me. So it's a way I can give back.
0: I think that's a good point you make, you know, keep trying And then if you can't help someone else, because sometimes when you help another person out, that can also free up the block that's in your own mind. So very good point that you made there, Mary. So Mary, once again, thank you for being with us on the show today. Really enjoyed having you and cannot wait to have you back and have you back real soon. Thank you, Parker. I appreciate the opportunity. And we were talking today to Mary Finley. She is the author of the book, Mapped Out Murders. It is book one of the Crime and Persecution series available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Now she told you what the story is about, but it's so much more deeper than that. And we literally only scratched the surface. So make sure you go ahead, love on my sister and pick up your copy of Mapped Out Murders today on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. You want your Christian fiction in you your face, guess what, gang, this definitely is. And not just that, it's also educational, also provocative and thought-provoking. And guess what? You're going to learn a lot when you pick up your copy of Mapped Out Murders, book one of the Crime and Persecution series. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the queen, Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day.